looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeastern by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm one crazy new Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey guys, this is Patrick Carpenter and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc Jonathan Steele. 
boy do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and I should say this next guest was also a part of our four-day fundraiser, which we hit our goal for Children's Hospital of LA. But we're going to dive in a little bit into the music side of things of our show because our next guest is a, I would say, heavy guitar player with influences such as Brad Paisley, Richie Sambor, Eric Clapton, and many others. He actually has a new song coming out tomorrow, if I have my notes correct, called Life Like Yours, which he wrote about his father, but we will get into that. Please welcome Mr. Patrick Carpenter. How you doing, sir? Doing good, man. What's up? Yeah, so, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah. what, the, what the hell? We'll go with it. Cool, so, man. <laughs> first and foremost, thank you for joining and uh, we'll start off with the new music, Life Like Yours. Yeah. From what I understand, you wrote about it. You wrote it about your father. So yes. what's the story with this? Yeah. Um, so uh, last, so July 28th of last year, uh, I lost my dad very suddenly, unexpectedly. Uh, he had a aneurysm and just kind of walked on in the heaven uh, that's that's the best way that i can say it and um so you know it took me four or five months to kind of finally get to a place where i could actually write like write about him uh dad was 59 which is pretty young and but when i sat back and i thought about everything that he's that he had done that he had uh accomplished in his life i one of the first things that I said was, well, I hope to have a life like that too. And that's where the, uh, that's where the thought came from that took me down the rabbit hole with it. And so it'll, it'll come out, I guess at actually like 11 PM tonight, central time. Uh, there's three versions. So there's the like regular radio cut type of version with it. There's an acoustic version, but there's my favorite version which is called dad's version. Uh, I'm a big guitar player. I love 80s rock, 70s rock, all of those guys because of dad. And so in dad's version, there's about a minute long guitar solo fest at the end of it because I couldn't help myself. And uh, yeah, man, it comes out tomorrow and uh, his birthday is Sunday. So I just felt like the right time to put it out there. Right on. Now, obviously, you might be biased a little bit, and rightfully so, uh, because he was your father. Uh-huh. But when you you said it took a, some time, obviously, because everybody grieves differently when they lose people. But when you at first hit, you said, "Okay, life like yours," and then those the musical side of you starts, you know, that part starts kicking in and whatnot. And like I said, I know you're biased a little bit in a good way being his kid, but what would you say stood out for you? Cause like you said, you started looking at things and uh, as far as his life is concerned and his story, 
what stood out for you about when you we talk about Patrick Carpenter's father? What stood out for what he accomplished in those 59 years? Yeah, man. Uh, there's there's several things. Uh, my dad was in the army for about seven years. Um, and it's so he had a really like servant heart to him. Um, he loved to teach and he taught Sunday school for man forever. And he would always teach like a Wednesday night class two at church. And I like overwhelmingly when I was in high school and even like, you know, eighth grade. And then as I got into college and everything, I would be overwhelmed by the amount of people who would come up to me and tell me about the impact that dad's class made on them. And like, to me, those are the types of things that I think you can like, like, how do I say this? Like level your, you can judge your impact as a person based on the amount of people that you have impacted positively. And that for me was one of the biggest things that I think about with dad was just the way that he had had a servant heart, the way that he loved to teach. He, he loved to learn to um, one thing that I hope take into um, my life at some point was uh, about 1999, 2000 or so, my mom's mom moved in with us. And most guys would only allow that to happen for maybe a few years. Uh, my grandmother lived with us. I don't remember a time when she did. And like he, those last few years of her life were really, really hard. And most people would have probably, you know, put her in a home or something like that. My dad, he took care of her until the day that, that she passed. And that's just, that's just who he was, was he, he just loved, he just loved to serve. And that to me is the simplest way that I can put it. But, you know, it makes perfect sense in terms of a, how he treated his mother-in-law that you said there. And two, like you said, people would tell you based on their experiences of the Sunday school class. I'm not the most uh, religious of people, but that totally makes sense that he was still trying to teach folks. So folks, uh, I'm going to guess here that it's going to be on all major platforms, iTunes and Spotify and all that fun stuff. So make sure you check that out when you get a chance. But I want to ask you a couple other questions. Why I got for a few minutes and folks i do want to mention go to patcarpmusic.com if you want to get all the links to facebook and social media and all that stuff might as well put that there as well but when we had you on for the uh children's fundraiser for la or excuse me children's hospital of la you did a song that came out in march i can't wait to meet her that's it yep so for those who didn't hear that or see that performance, curious to know what you can tell us about. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah. So um, I wrote that. So I originally wrote the song back in 2019. And the idea came from one night I was writing literally the cheesiest, most country pop song that you could ever think about. And it's literally the, it was as cliche filled as it could have ever been. And 
I was just like, okay, I don't want to write this. I don't want to sing this. I don't want anybody to know that I even like wrote this. It was, it was literally just crap. And just so, as it was, was it one of those, I, all right, I got to get it out of my system time type of deal. Uh, yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like it was a song that I was supposed to write, you know, cause like if you listen to like modern country music, it sounded like something that I like, I guess I've got to write this. And um, I, I was like, okay, this is horrible. So I sat down and I said, okay, let's write down things that we want to, that we would hope to find in a wife. So I wrote down like 10 things. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know who this is, but I can't wait to meet her. And I was like, oh, that's it right there. And um, that's really where it came from. I, to me, the thing that, that I love about the song is that you, I never mention how she looks. Like it's all about who she is as a person, how she makes me better. And I think that's a little refreshing um, because most country music now is either talking about her jeans or her shirt or like, like how she looks. And I think there's more to that. And um, so, yeah, it kind of just came middle of the night and here we are. And so I, I actually recorded that on my first album, um, Friday night, hallelujah. And I, I found it again back around Christmas or so. I was like, golly, I would love to redo this. And like make it more me and to give it more of a um 2005-ish type of sound and I, th- I think it came out just just fantastic so well speaking of that and i want to mention this too on the writing side of things because i got two more questions i want to ask music wise <laughs> and first being we definitely deal with a lot of singer songwriters on the show and one of the things I always like to pose to them is when do you know it's okay to put the pen down or sometimes the laptop or whatever, however you are looking at writing your music, when is it okay to, I'm going to put this to bed. I'm ready to take the next step as far as the song is concerned. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's, that's actually something that I really haven't ever thought about. Um, for me, I think, first of all, I can tell pretty quickly when something sucks, you know, like it, like I might be half a verse in until I'm like, okay, this is a bad idea or like, I, this isn't the right way to the singing or the right way to, to go about it. Um, to me, whether it's a slow song, a fast song, it's got to give me some type of energy. Like it's got to give me some type of feeling where I I can just tell this is this this is it. Um, for me, the the pen goes down when I feel like I've said everything that I can say. Um, and I think what I've gotten better about is I don't have to always say everything in one song. It can always be like I can't wait to meet her. You could argue you could break that up into three different songs just be, just based on the idea. And so for me, I think the, the, the pen goes down if this is what I'm singing about and I've said everything that I think needs to be said. And then we just move on. But there's a there's a gut feeling, I think, with most of us where you can tell when something sucks, because <laughs> I it's funny to look through like my notes app on my phone and see the amount of just verses that I've written that are just like, yeah, that that was just going nowhere. Yeah. So. 
Well, let me put this the other way, and I mean this respectfully. Sure. And there's a term we deal with a lot of uh, folks within the professional wrestling industry, and there is a term in it where you go, that was the drizzling shits. Mm-hmm. But yet, on a musical front, like you said, there, you have a feeling of when something might suck and all that stuff. But was there something you go, that is the drizzling shits, or however you want to phrase it. And you, mm-hmm. But yet, you go back and go, you know, afterwards you go, you know what, that wasn't as bad as I thought that was, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've so I've had a couple of moments where I thought something was great in the moment. And I think something that I've had to, to really grow as is that, so I kind of see everything from a guitar player scope. And from on my first album, there's a couple of songs that I'm not going to say, but like there's a few songs where I was just trying to get to the guitar solo. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't lyrically driven. And I've found myself, you know, you, you, you fast forward two years now, I really kind of more so understand when that things that need to be lyrically driven, not musically driven. Um, Cause yeah, there are two or three songs that I would say from that first album were just crap because I was writing for the solo versus writing what the song is. Um, so I, I think for me, that's, that's kind of where I've grown is I'm not just trying to have a shred fest. Let's kind of like, let's write songs that are substance and that's, and hopefully will become a piece of somebody's life at some point. Makes total sense. And obviously everybody has that. I don't care if you listen to the country to rock, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. gospel, to jazz, whatever it is that you are into as far as music concerned, everybody has that song or two that are attached to, or you hear something and it, reminds you of a memory or where I was at that particular time. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that, that having an attachment to something somehow, but the other question musically I wanted to bring up is 2021. You had an album debut at number one for iTunes singer songwriter charts. So as a young artist, what is that like for you to see something that successful that right away uh i could breathe for like five minutes like i finally did something right you know and um you know i think it's one thing that that my dad taught me was like take success um probably harder than you take failure like you can learn from failure but don't let success be the reason why you stop and i think for me it gave me more of a desire to uh to keep just to keep on going which sounds kind of obvious but i I think for me like to me what that said was for that to do what it did i had to actually sell downloads which in this day and age is very rare to to be able to get people to actually buy something versus going like spotify it and so uh but yeah it just it was a moment where like okay cool i can breathe and then check that you know off the box and then keep on moving so, but what, what, what I was really also proud of was to me, that album, that album sounds like all, like all of the albums that I grew up listening to. And it was like, it sounded like the albums that made me want to move to Nashville. And for me, like the, the term chasing me came from like, I, 
I was actually chasing the type of artist that I wanted to be, where on the first album, it felt more like there were times where I was being the, the artist that I thought I was supposed to be, you know, based on trends and things like, like, like that. And so I was glad to see something be very successful that was very authentic. Yeah, and that makes total sense as well as who is Patrick Carpenter, not what everybody else is doing at the time period. Yes, yes. And being trendy. But with that being said, with that album being successful in 2021 and such, was your dad still with us when that was successful? Was he able to yeah. see that? Yeah, he was uh, He was awake with me at about 1 a.m. when it finally like hit. And uh, it was just awesome. Yeah, dad, dad listened because, you know, I, I was done. It came out June 18th last year. I guess I was done like mid-April with it. And so dad listened to that album very, very constantly. He was he was very happy with it and uh, loved it. Yeah, man. Well, I'm having a cup of coffee here, which is rare for me, but I had two little ones <laughs> visiting today. So cheers that dad was able to hear that. 100%. Yes, but, sir. Yeah, so. I'm glad to hear that positive news with your story. But the other thing I wanted to bring up, and I brought it up during the uh, fundraiser, to currently to pay the bills, per se. Yeah. Now, which, again, folks have heard me say this time and time again, that please support these independent artists. They truly appreciate it, and it's hand to mouth and all that stuff. I'm not trying to cry poor for them but it's like it whether you like share subscribe buy downloads do itunes whatever it is you do to support these artists it does matter and tracking it and everything else it 100 man it, it means yeah. a lot but yeah. to, to pull out my dusty roads if you will to pay the bills you are currently an assistant coach and sports information director for a guy named Trent Dilfer, who happened to win a, a ring. So what is the school that you are working for? And obviously, most people know what assistant coach is, but what is a sports information director? Yeah, so uh, back in 2019, Lipscomb Academy hired Trent Dilfer. Um, I got a, I, so I, so just kind of give you the whole kind of quick thing here. I had coached for three years at Franklin High School, which is about 20 minutes south of Nashville. And I thought I was done coaching. I, uh, I did my first EP, it did pretty well. Uh, I was kind of burnt out, you know, and then I get a phone call from Trent and it's kind of like, I kind of want to do this too. Uh, so a sports information director, to put it very simply, is like the media guy. Like that's, that's it. So like everything, PR, marketing, t-shirts, everything that you see from us on social media, you read in the paper, you see on the internet, 99% uh, of it is vetted through myself and the department. Um, and when you work for a guy who uh, is on Fox Sports at least once a week during the season, NBC Sports all the time, uh, and we also just won – state this this past season uh the first time they've won state here and i believe 13 or 14 years um you're gonna have a pretty high profile on you and so uh yeah i i have a really really cool freaking job man like most 
people are having to, you know, be a waiter or something like that, I get to do this. This is pretty awesome. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's taught me a lot too about how to market me, how to not be the, uh, the annoying singer songwriter guy on Instagram who has to post every freaking thing. Um, and so, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty cool gig. (laughs) So you mentioned he called you. So, and you were burnt out and all that stuff. So he gets hired, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. How did he find out about you and giving you a call? Yeah. The Lipscomb community is pretty tight. Uh, I, went to so i finished my undergrad here in 17 finished my master's last year here and uh so we had a mutual friend at church or somebody who knew that there was there was going to be a change and uh they're kind of looking to hire a whole new staff here and uh they put my name in in the pot uh it was funny dude like that that next monday i was like so I ran into that person at church and they were like, Hey, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're about to do this. If you're looking for something fresh. And I had convinced myself up until then that I was done with this. Like I was just, just done with football. And that whole day, I don't know if you've ever, like, if there's an opportunity that you're just like fighting with yourself with about if you should like do mm-hmm. like that next Monday, I sat there like, like all day long. I just sat there thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, Patrick, just do it. So like I, I get, I, I took the information too that, that she gave me, emailed somebody and they said, Hey, uh, you know, thanks for your interest. I'll make sure this gets to the right people. And man, you know, you get those emails all the time when you're looking for a job. So I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm telling you, I get that email 10 minutes later, Trent calls me and, and I, <laughs> I was, in the middle of losing my health insurance. I shouldn't talk about that, but I was in, but yeah. So, and I have been getting phone calls out my butt from like California, New York, like all these places, all these people trying to like sell me insurance. <laughs> I look down at my phone and I see California. Like, oh, here we go again. And so <laughs> I answer the phone and he just goes, Patrick. And I had listened to him so much on, on ESPN, on Cowherd. I knew this was, Trent Dofer. And I was like, uh, yeah. yeah, man. And I like jumped off the couch because I was like, yeah. And so he brought me, he, um, that was a Monday. He told, uh, he asked how does Thursday look and he gave me a project and he wanted me to like come in and talk about, I believe it was trap run game, the types of RPOs that we could do off of it and any kind of like special team stuff. And so I came in, we talked, we were in there for like an hour hired me and here I am right on what a what a story (laughs) hey hey, it is what it is and but to wrap I want to go back to the music side of things and like I said earlier patcarmusic.com if you want to catch everything social media links all that stuff so my final question is what is next for Patrick Carpenter on a music front on a music front, yeah, man. Uh, so I'm really pumped about this. Uh, Sunday at 2.30, me and my band are playing the Franklin, Tennessee Main Street Festival. It's this massive festival that they do every year. 
Um, fun fact, my, my very first gig as an artist was at this festival on the acoustic stage. Horrible gig. Worst gig of my entire life. I knew things were bad when my backup guitar player was taping music down to the stage. And then this big gust of wind came in the middle of the set and all of it just hit me. It was, oh, dude, looking back on it, incredible. This is horrible. And um, no, but we're playing the main stage, which is a, a, a huge honor. I'm pumped about it. Um, we're going to be the loudest band by a mile. And uh, I'm very excited about that. That's our first festival to play since COVID. Um, and so that's the next thing. Uh, there's some new songs. I'm probably not going to do an album for a while because that isn't the cool thing to do right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a few songs that I've uh, sent in the past few weeks that hopefully will get cranked out and going for the summer. And so, so I, sure. I wish this was this this looked better. I'm literally in the football press box right now. And so I, good. I, I always think this is a cool spot to be. Then I turn around and just it's just all brick back there. Oh well. <laughs> no, it's all good because this is gonna be just audio only on both platforms. Awesome. There we go. But uh obviously, Patrick, thanks for the time. And folks, check out the link, check out his social media, check out the new song. You know, life like yours. Patrick, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Thank you. is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey you guys, this is Ali Pauline and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.